Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Well, boys, happy St. Paddy's. As an adult, I didn't even realize it was St. Patrick's Day today. <laughs> Until I went into our quarterly team meeting and everyone was wearing green and like wearing hats and stuff. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, happy St. Patty's Day. As a, uh, a college student, I always made sure to have like one or two item of clothing, items of clothing that were green that I'd wear literally only on St. Patty's Day. And uh, this year, I realized, Evan, when we were out for a, a walk after work and I saw some people drunk in the park with green hats, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then I remember that I've thrown those shirts away and I have not worn them in a couple of years. So that was it's my for the best. Um, yeah, a way too old moment. I have Brad's one generic green. green. I have one generic green T-shirt, and I threw it on under my uh, quarter zip for work today. So I was uh, festive for all uh, five square inches of it. You could see. Is having kids uh, just like a reprisal of all the holidays that you're allowed to forget between the ages of like twenty three and whenever you have kids? No, holidays are meaningless because Mika's school does new theme days like almost almost literally every day. Like yesterday was Jersey oh. Day. And then tomorrow's pajama day. And there's there's always something going on. Like, I don't know if they're going a little extra this week because it was originally supposed to be March break, but I don't know. You guys know me. I'm a buzzkill. Um, a buzzkill thing about me. I cannot stand a themed party. I just... I, please, Depends I just want to go theme. without conditions. Okay, pajama and jersey, those are two good theme days for school. If I'm a kid, hell yeah, I'm having fun with that. But like when I went to a party and there was like 80s theme, I'm like, can you please just piss off? Did they drink beer in the 80s? Great. That's what I'm doing to match the 80s theme. I'll bring in beer. Anyways, my, I don't like fun. So my requirements for whether or not it's a good or a bad theme party outside of Halloween parties, because I understand that if I have to go out of my way to buy something new to wear to this party, it sucks. It's fun when it's something everybody already owns. Like everybody has pajamas. Everybody has jerseys. Like to Ryan's point, most people have a green t-shirt. Easy. But yeah, it's like 80s theme. All right. So I got to go buy like a starter windbreaker. Where am I even going to find that? (laughs) I love costume parties, but I'm very limited by my severe lack of creativity. (laughs) So I would, I would just like have all these like thoughts coming into my brain but I wouldn't be able to execute any of them because I just I just have no creativity. At least you get to the thought part when it comes to Halloween parties. I rarely make it that far. I'm like, uh, Crystal, what do you want to do? <laughs> you guys remember parties? Yeah. That was Vaguely. It, I, I know we said this a couple episodes ago, but it has been actual years since us three have been drunk together. Honestly. Honestly. We ha- we had another couple over the other night and all of us were saying how weird it was to hang out yeah. with other people. Like by the end, we're like, I'm exhausted. Like <laughs> I I have no social energy anymore. I was like, you know what? It's 1030. I'm going to finish my drink and probably go to bed. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. The, uh, the John, uh, who you guys might remember is the best man at my wedding and his wife, he's a cop. She's a nurse. They have a little one. We got a text from them last week. Hey, we're going to come over tomorrow. Uh, no. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, we we both have our vaccines. We'll uh, I'm like, oh yeah, great. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. 
I'm like, oh my God, the social life. It's been so long. <laughs> well, before we go down that hole of uh, the wasteland that is known as our social lives, let's talk about some fun things, which is uh, the new nomination campaign we have for uh, Adam Ernie for the Selkie. Quite possibly. Thing? Yeah. Red Wings hockey. Uh, lots to talk about, lots to be excited about. Uh, at the time of recording, it's Wednesday, so the Thursday's game has not been taken into account, which is good because uh, Tuesday's game was fun enough. Uh, but before we dive into all of that, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, my name is Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco because I can't think of a St. Patty's joke around my name. And I'm Evan. And there's Evan. I like how you're on theme for that, Evan. Very St. Patty's of you. Um, on this episode of the podcast, we are going to be talking about uh, the Red Wings game against Carolina last night, um, focusing in on a couple of key performances from uh, some notable players and some very Adam Ernie players. Uh, we'll be jumping back into the trade deadline talk because that has heated up again. Uh, maybe touch a little bit on some uh, Red Wings prospects before covering some league news and heading into overtime. All right. The Carolina Hurricanes were riding an eight game. It was an eight game win streak coming into Tuesday night's game against Detroit. Um, and of course, they ran into the red hot Red Wings power play featuring none other than Adam Ernie. Uh, someone note that in the log where you record brand new sentences, please. Uh, fun game. That was just like a classic good old the Red Wings are buzzing. This is fun for everyone game. I don't know if we want, like, what part of that do we want to cover first? Do we want to cover Svechnikov? Do we want to just cover the flow of the game? There's a lot to be happy about there. Let's talk about the power play first. Because I have I have some good news. I, I think they get it, finally. I think they understand. Um, it wasn't the pairing that I would have guessed would have created an effective Red Wings power play and be one of the primary reasons for its success. But how long have we been saying, just put two of your best players on opposite half walls. Just please do that. No more Sam Gagne, Robbie Fabry, et cetera. Fine players, but not, we understand their limitations. So they've run out a power play unit that features, somehow features Michael Rasmussen, um, who's limited in what he can do on the power play, but at least he's good at that one thing. Adam Ernie, which we'll get into uh, Philip Hronik, who is incapable of making a pass to the right side, but you have Dylan Larkin and Philip Zadina on the half walls. Larkin might not have a great shot, but he is a great skater and he moves a lot on the power play. Whereas Philip Zadina is a creative quick reaction with a great shot. So even if he doesn't move nearly as much as Larkin, obviously Carolina has to respect what he does over there. And what that has done, just those two players, has spread out the opponent's uh, penalty kill, which is the Red Wings' second goal was the perfect example of it, where Adam Ernie didn't have a ton of time in the slot when that pass went to him, but he had enough time. The Red Wings' bumper has basically been, I don't know, a decoration on the power play for most of this season. But now that they're getting room, now that Larkin and Zadina are creating space, now that Rasmussen is actually an effective net front guy, even if he hasn't scored one yet, it's opening up space. We all remember the Adam Ernie goal where he got it low, curled it in. You know, you watch that goal in a bubble and you're like, how does he have that much space? 
he shouldn't when he's that close to the net or he shouldn't when he's in the slot. Well, when you've got the defense chasing your better players around the offensive zone, that's what's going to happen. That's one of the reasons Bertuzzi is so effective on the power play when he's playing because he's the perfect type of player to capitalize on that. And Adam Ernie has been playing pretty good hockey for the last three to four weeks. He's just getting rewarded for it now. So if he's going to be the guy that's going to take the space when it's given to him, all the power to him. Keep him there. I don't care who's going to capitalize on it. (laughs) Ernie's the guy doing it. Zadina and Larkin are getting their looks. It's... It's a beautiful sight. It's the first time I'm watching the Red Wings power play and going, I understand what they're doing. Yeah. And I like it. (laughs) You know, you're generating good space when Adam Ernie is able to stand out on the power play. And that's not a slight to Adam Ernie, but it's not like Bertuzzi, who's kind of one of those players where you hear people talk about, this is a guy who can play with elite players. And one of the main qualities of a player like that, you know, you look at, I'm not even being like ironic here, Adam or or Abdelkader, when he started out with Datsuk, he found space well. Like Bertuzzi finds space well, I think better than a lot of a lot of players in the league. Um, and if you have a guy like Adam Ernie, who's really coming up from your fourth line and is able to do that on the power play, you're right. They finally get it. Like they are doing what they should be doing, what they've had the talent to do. It really cannot be overstated how important it is that it's Larkin and Zadina because those are Detroit's two best players right now, bar none. Um, they have been playing incredible hockey, both of them since returning from injury. I think Zadina, every game he's played more or less, but Larkin, especially since he's come back from injury has looked like the best Larkin that we've seen in a long time. Um, yeah, it's just been exciting to watch him do it. And it's also, uh, worth noting that Ernie has scored three power play goals and both times, cause that was across two games, um, two separate games, both times came on the heels of me advocating to take him out of the lineup for Svechnikov. <laughs> So that's why those goals went in. Uh, but no, it's it, like, it was just fun to watch. You watch Ernie. Like, Ernie was going for that hat trick after. Like, he was playing. Oh, yeah. He was pushing 110. Like, he was playing lights out as for what we usually see from Adam Ernie. It was great to see. Like, so, so good. And you could tell his confidence was up because even on some of the more scrambled plays on some of the less effective Red Wings power plays later in the game once Carolina went to their ultra-aggressive defensive style, which Detroit still struggles with. He was trying some shit. Like, there was a couple times he should have just shot it, and he he tried forcing a seam pass or, you know, behind the back pass, and goddamn, they almost worked. So just to even see him try it was not the right play in the moment, but a, a positive sign to see a guy, a bottom six forward trying stuff like that, because that is not something we have seen for the better part of four years in Detroit. And I'm not sitting here and saying this is a whole new Adam Ernie and we've just reinvented the wheel and this guy's going to, you know, score 20 goals now. But, you know, Adam Ernie put up a ton of numbers in junior. If he comes in and can be a second unit power play guy and chip in 10 to 15 goals, this is Adam Ernie the last few weeks is what we've said a fourth liner should look like for a long time. We're not expecting him to go in and turn guys inside out. We're not expecting him to be a big play driver at five on five. But hey, capitalize on the chances you're given and at least try stuff to create some chances. And he's been doing that. The only like obviously I understand the second power play unit has its limitations because you have Anthony Mantha as your one true threat on there, which is pretty easy to shut down. Um, my one, my one complaint though, overall is I just, Hronik's not the guy, 
like for a power play quarterback, it's just not him unless you have a right-handed shot. That is your shooting threat, which the Red Wings do not have. He just, the number of times he looks off a wide open Philip Zadina on the right OV spot and the number of times when he does, the few times he does attempt to make that pass just doesn't put it in the right spot. And again, it's on his backhand or he has to turn his body. It's why handedness matters on the power play. But I think I'm at the point I'd rather see Christian Juice there, even though I think Hronik's a better player. It's just, he's... Leads the team in points. He's Oh, I'm not saying he's a bad player. Uh, and I'm not even saying he's bad on the power play, but with this unit in particular, Larkin's not the shooter. Larkin is effective because he makes space, because if you give him space, he's going to take it to the net or he's going to move around at a million miles and make something to happen. You need a guy who can give the puck to your shooter cleanly and quickly and on this unit that's obviously Zadina and it's not happening it's partially Hironic's fault fault a lot of it is just because he's a right-handed shot he still tries to force way too many useless shots through traffic which don't work unless Tyler Bertuzzi somehow cruising through at the right time and he is the king of the I'm just going to dump and chase every time I have the puck in the neutral zone on the power play, It, which is annoying. Um, but yeah, so I'm not trying to rip on Heronic, but I'd like to see someone else get a look there in that spot with that particular unit. See, I, I think I come in at the like I would come in advocating to force heronic in that spot like until you have yeah the handedness matchup between the forwards or whoever's on that wall whatever for to make that pass a little bit easier for heronic i'd rather keep it keep him there albeit a little bit uncomfortable with like the mechanics that you just mentioned brad for the reason that detroit needs him to be their best defenseman and if it means coaching him out of some bad decision making or letting him get warmed up because her, the heroic that we've seen lately has been better than the heroic that started the season. He still has a long way to go to play to what I think is heroic's true, like best form, but you know, games like last night goal or a goal and two assists first goal of the season, mind you and two assists, that's going to go a long way. The Red Wings power play is not some sacred thing. Like it was 11% going into last night. It's not some sacred thing where I think they need to keep it perfect at all times. If it means keeping one of your best defensemen there until he finds his form and until he builds that confidence. And even if it's just kind of a training year to push him to be able to be more mobile and and shift his body in a way that makes him less likely to make those poor passes, that's what I'd advocate for. I understand what you're saying, but when I look at the future of the Red Wings, Hronik is going to be a big part of that in some capacity. Christian Juice might be there, but not at a Hronik level. I view this year as a as a training year, a formative year, as we were forced to this year and previous, and maybe another one after this. But my long story short, Hronik had a great night last night, and I'd hate to nitpick and say he yeah. was not. I'm not saying you're nitpicking, but I'd hate to just you know have him then pulled off the be pulled off the power play just because he. Had I wouldn't even perfect with it. I wouldn't even pull him off the power play. I would just flip him in juice. Put Hronik with Mantha and put Juice on that unit because that unit makes more sense with a lefty like after the trade deadline we're gonna have a long conversation about who should really be on that top yeah, power play yeah, unit yeah. but we'll we'll see how that shakes out at the time yeah okay so i misunderstood you if you just want to flip the what lines yeah. are on yeah by all just, means that'll probably help mantha too honestly yeah because mantha they've been trying a lot on the top of the left circles to 
kind of get him away from that one timer and have him catch it on his forehand and walk into a shot. Um, they've flipped him back and forth, but if they want to try him in that spot, yeah, Heronic being a righty is now an advantage to that unit. Obviously, then that there's nobody who's going to play properly on that right half wall on that unit, but at least, at least it's one positive for for that power play if you have Heronic and Mantha together. I think Evan is ready to chime in because of how many times you've said the word unit, honestly. Nice. Yeah, a lot of talk about the old PP unit tonight so far. <laughs> um, speaking of, I, I actually have no natural segue here. Dylan Larkin. <laughs> yeah, We've said it since he's come back, but wow, he's playing like a man-possessed that he went literally from end to end, picked up the puck from behind behind his own net, flew down the ice and weaved in and out of guys and then made a gorgeous drop pass and read to Robbie Fabry. Someone uh, uh, replied to the clip of it and they said, how did he even know he was there? Like, do, do forwards just know where these people are on the ice? I'm like, OK, yeah, the best players in the game do always have a presence as to where people are on the ice. Watch Sidney Crosby play. He's really, really great at picking that up. But if you notice, as Larkin was, you know, skating with incredible, like some of the best skating you're going to see in the NHL with the puck, uh, say for like McDavid, like those level players, uh, as he was skating across the blue line and cutting to the outside, that's where he picked up Fabry. He saw Fabry trailing behind him a little bit slower and said, yeah, he's going to fill the empty space behind me. He's going to be there for the rebound. And instead of the rebound, he's going to fool everyone with the drop pass. That was a play where you're like, oh, yeah, that's the Dylan Larkin that can happily be the 1C on this team. Just so, so good to see from him. Whatever was irking him to start the season or when he was injured, uh, the recovery time was fantastic. It's exactly what he needed. He wasn't bad before, but he, this is the this is a version of Dylan Larkin that has, you know, everyone jumping out of their seats. Yeah, and I've seen some people say, oh, he still had too many giveaways off the cycle, yada, yada, yada. I'm not going to nitpick that. What are We know what Dylan Larkin's strengths are. And we hadn't seen him using those strengths a lot this season, which is that Robbie Fabry goal. Perfect. Him generating speed, dancing around guys, using his speed to create space, and then making the right play at the right time. If that's how he has to create offense, good. I'm not going to say, oh, no, he tried a behind-the-back pass off a cycle and it didn't work. Oh no, nobody else on the team can make that play either. So, you know, you got to, you have to play to your strengths. And I don't know what changed in Larkin's head while he was injured because he's not playing the same way. He doesn't look like the same player as he was previous this season, but it is everything we needed to see. And the fact that he is actually effective on the power play now, which is, which truthfully was one of his weaknesses earlier in his career is just. This is fantastic. This is some of the best hockey we've ever seen Dylan Larkin play, period. Not just this season. And he's doing it next to Zadina, who even on games where his like fundamentals aren't perfect, he still has amazing displays of his talent, like his zone entry on uh, the Ernie goal. Uh, and someone who... You're going to just leave that <laughs> by calling it a zone entry? He toe-dragged a defenseman into non-existence and you're just going to leave it at zone entry? Oh, I, I'm <laughs> a classic zone entry, a, a good push forward of the puck, you know, yeah. nice little display of... Uh, <laughs> Outside, no. inside, toe-drag around a great defenseman and the only reason he didn't maybe even score on that play was because the puck hopped at him at the exact moment he let go of the backhand. A backhand which still hit the net, caused a rebound, and created an Adam Ernie goal. 
mind you. But uh, yeah, no, that was a great zone entry. In my mind, it was uh, it was great revenge because he did that on Brett Pesci, and I was like, "That's you know hardly recompense, but that's what you get, Brett Pesci, for for the slew foot on Robbie Fabry." You know, Zadina. Like, there's some games where I'm like, "Okay, Zadina's not like I know if I dive into his coursey right now, for example, like it's not going to read the best, but." If you're going to have this kind of game on a terrible team, but still have, you know, zone entries like that, where you have like an NHL 21 classic toe drag, where you sell it with your body and you get Brett Pesci to bite, like it is just, it's nice, refreshing, fun hockey to watch. And I do also want to give credit to Robbie Fabry. He's not always, you know, hot. He's not always streaking. He's not always lighting up the scoreboard. He does, it, it does come and go a little bit. So it's not like he's, you know, constantly a Jonathan Bernie level savior of this team who's impervious to the slumps. But man, I just find that he's so consistently there and he's so consistent. Like if, even if he's having a bad game, he's close to having a good game, you know? He has a lot more skill and talent than people still give him credit for. Like that nice little dangle he had along the half wall before or the uh, the side wall before <laughs> Sveshnikov came and crushed him. Um, his his ability to play with Larkin and his ability to play with good players. He's just a player I appreciate. Um, and I like that he's continued the streak of me, you know, liking uh, every number 14 that's played for the Red Wings since I've started watching. So from Shanahan to Nyquist to Fabry. Bear, big Derek Meech fan, huh? Did Derek Meech wear it in there? I don't know fully, but I was still going to make the joke. I think he did. Derek Meech, Red Wings. Oh, because there was probably, yeah, there was a period of time where he wasn't. uh, Between Shanahan and Nyquist, yeah. Oh, he did. Yeah, well, you know what? I love Derek Meech. Hell yeah. Derek Meech is my boy. (laughs) I actually think I have a Derek Meech hockey card somewhere. (laughs) Um, And another player I want to highlight here, sorry, before we move on to other stuff. Philip Peronic, like we mentioned, not the greatest start to the year. Actually, I think decidedly one of the worst starts among the Red Wings, you know, important players. There are still aspects to his game where I'm just like, he really needs to improve if he wants to be in the conversation for, uh, you know, a core Red Wings player or a future top line player. If he's doing all that while racking up 17, a goal and 17 assists to lead the team in points. It's very Anthony Mantha, you know, like I know you can be doing more and I know you have more talent, but you're still among the team's leaders (laughs) in output. So it's nice to see him have a night like he did last night. It's nice to see him score yet another missile of an empty net goal uh, from his own end like he did in uh, 20 at at the end of 2019. Uh, He got in on one of Adam Ernie's two power play goals is just another all around good game. Good game. Hashtag good vibes for everyone. Last Red Wings game. Yeah, he's the king of the full send. That is his thing. Doesn't matter where he is in the defensive zone. Doesn't matter if he starts even facing the net. When he launches that thing, it's going in. Speaking of full send, I I actually have no idea why, but I legitimately laughed so hard when that puck kind of popped out just to the top of the circle and you saw Mark Stahl (laughs) step into that slap shot and just rip that thing off the post. Like, I think he dented it. My friend texted me after. He's like, please make Winged Wheel Podcast t-shirts that just say piss missile on it. Because that was so funny. <laughs> I love when, when Mark Stahl activates on the play because it often leads to some kind of high danger chance. But no, that was uh, that was hysterical. It, Mark Stahl, for all his shortcomings, he's a lot of fun. Which I didn't think was going to be a thing. Like The mental image I had of what I remembered Mark Stahl was, oh, here's going to be the most boring player in the NHL, ultra defense, yada, yada, yada. He's, he's 
just chaotic energy. He steps into the rush more than almost any other Red Wings defense defenseman, which I did not see coming. He's such a loose cannon in his own zone. You never know what's going to happen when the puck crosses the Red Wings blue line. It's rarely boring when he's on the ice, so I at least appreciate that about him. He's what we wanted this rebuild to be. <laughs> I also appreciate that I always know where he is on the ice because uh, he's a player where you don't know where his hair ends and his beard starts. Yeah. It all just kind of melts together like Chewbacca. And everything else is covered up by the tinted visor. Yeah. So I- <laughs> we don't we don't we don't know for sure there isn't just more hair under there. It, there very well might be. Also, yeah. I love a tinted bi- visor. He has it because he has damage to one of his eyes from taking yeah. the puck to it. Yeah. But it still looks dope as hell. Yeah, exactly. He gets to wear a tinted visor, and because it's uh, for injury purposes, nobody gets to chirp him for it. It's, it's Brad, you should get one for your uh, for your hockey. I'm not getting the tinted visor till my white pants and my white gloves come in. Oh, we can arrange that. <laughs> oh, boy. I will play hockey with you every single time as long as I'm allowed to be on the other team. We'll get you some tea blades as well. <laughs> There's someone at my work that still rocks tea blades. Oh, Are the no. tea blades the ones that like uh, come off the heel and click? You no, know those, the big the circles. Holders with the big circles. Oh hell yeah! You make the patterns <laughs> were on the board so, where you snow. Yeah, they yeah. were so loud. Like I just remember <laughs> someone having them, and they you could just hear them a mile away. We'll get you those blades, Brad, uh, where it, it, the NHL trialed them for a little bit, I think, where they, it like actually detaches from the heel for a quick second and it clicks. You just hear them clicking down the ice. I played I played one beer league game with a guy who had them once and he just got he I don't think he wore them back like he was just brutalized out there. It was relentless. Yeah, you either have to embrace the all-out douchebaggery of your getup, and you can't have just T-blades. If you have T-blades, you need the white pants, you need the tinted visor, you need the white gloves, or you can have none of it. You can't half-ass this. If you have one of those items, you're getting chirped relentlessly. If you have none or all, nobody's going to say anything. Unless you're an NHL team, my hot take of the day is the Dallas Stars reverse retro jerseys are worse than Detroit's. Oh, easily. At least Detroit wore red equipment with theirs. Yeah, God, that was bad. Just wear the black and neon ones. Like, like, I understand how people don't like those, but at least there's something. The white, oh, God. I like the black and neon ones. They were fine. I wouldn't rush out and buy one if I was a Stars fan, but they were fine. Uh, but those white ones, they look like stormtroopers. Someone posted that on Twitter. I'm like, yes, that's it. They're stormtroopers. At, th- at that point, just put in the black accents to make yourself look like stormtroopers. It'd be cool than whatever, whatever, like cooler than whatever you did. Yeah, and just purposely miss the net on every shot you take just to fit the brand. Uh, anyways, um, Evgeny Sveshnikov was called up for this past game. I don't, I don't know if we gave that a lot of attention. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing, so I don't know the, if I can have an opinion on it at this point. The byline here, and that was born of Bobby Ryan being out, right? And that's why it came up. Which confuses me further, because if they didn't call him up, then yeah, it was just part of the plan to have him back in Grand Rapids. But the fact they did call him back up leads me to believe they just didn't like his performance, which is why they sent him down. But they called him up for Bobby Ryan and actually put him on one of the scoring lines. But then they only played him like four minutes or whatever the hell it actually was. I don't have any functioning fucking clue what they are doing with this guy. Like, huh, it is... Man. The new byline is who knows. I don't just roll with it. I can't. I don't. 
<laughs> what? He has he it really has cemented his spot as like he's the first choice. He's the first choice for actual we need a an NHL player, not we're just trying a guy. I think the moment someone gets shipped, I don't think Sveshnikov is going anywhere. I think he's sticking on the roster. I hope so. <laughs> I, mean, I may have just I may have just jinxed it. But yeah. like if it was a hypothetically Luke Glendenning that went down, I feel like we would have saw Smith. Because they would have wanted someone to fill that type. I, I think they do see Svechnikov as more of a skilled forward and they want to play him in scoring roles, which good. He's better suited to those. Good. Um, but at the same time, what? Just what? Yeah. <laughs> I miss Giovanni Smith. I just want to put that out there as well. I can't wait till we see Giovanni Smith in the Red Wings uniform again. Regardless, uh, uh, what it, for what it's worth, this is just a small little aside. And normally when um, those angry uh, dudes with goatees end up in my mentions, just, oh, we need an enforcer to kick the shit out of this guy or we need to fight. Yeah. Honestly, it would have been nice to see Giovanni Smith to step up to Brett Pesci. Yep. I, uh, I have the exact same thought. I hate. I hate that I agree, but yeah, like yeah. they need. Normally, I am the last guy on the face of the earth who advocates for this type of crap in the game. Like, I, I think nine out of ten times someone suggests it as a we need to do this. It's a bad take. But in this, this is the one where a guy literally tried to injure one of your players who's notoriously injure pr- injury prone. Yeah, someone should have tried to cave his face in. I like, you know, not literally, but. Rasmussen did take a run for what it's worth. Got to give at least Rasmussen a little bit of credit. He ended up taking a penalty on the play, uh, which sucked, but he tried. So I'll give him that. But yeah, it seemed like the Red Wings were just very comfortable to move on from it, which was a little disappointing. Well, judging by how bad the refing has been this year, if the refs aren't going to police the game, the players will police the game just like the good old days. So yeah, it would be, it would be nice to see, some teeth or someone beat the wheels off of them, but I would make Mickey happy. And that's what makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> you that, can't. That's, the, that's the goal of the season. Do things to get Mickey riled up just for entertainment value. <laughs> it's the uh, Homer Simpson, like do it for her, but it's do it for Mick. Someone please <laughs> edit that. Um, yeah. Like you can't get the piss beaten out of you on the scoreboard and then let them run you on the ice as well. Right. Like don't go out there and beat the piss out of them for no reason. I, I don't think that style of hockey quite fits in today's NHL. And I don't think that's what a rebuilding Red Wings team should be doing. But yeah, if they're, if you need a guy who can come in, play meaningful hockey in the fourth line with Giovanni Smith has demonstrated he can do. Um, and then eventually or occasionally step up and warn guys on the other team that if you're going to pull this shit, you're going to have to answer for it. There's a lot of people who I've, like you said, Brad, it's usually the wrong answer to whatever the question is. But in this case, yeah. If if this is a team like, for example, the 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 prototype here that we're working with is the Leafs. Like there, it, this constantly exists in the Leafs discourse. They're a mega talented team and people think that the reason they're not winning cups is because they don't have guys to beat the hell out of other guys. That's not actually why. It might be more entertaining and it might help them in small situations but that's not actually why they haven't won cups but in situations like this yeah i think it has a place um moving on though do want to talk about uh briefly here the uh trade deadline talk 
And this isn't necessarily new information, but what has happened is Elliot Friedman and his 31 Thoughts, both in written and uh, podcast form, has breathed life into what is essentially the obvious here. Um, The Red Wings are sellers, and there aren't very many untouchables on the Red Wings. Larkin, according to Frege, in terms of what he thinks or what he's heard, and oftentimes he he intentionally masks you know, what he's heard is what he thinks to protect sources. Uh, so you can read between the lines a little bit. Um, Larkin, Cider, Raymond mentioned, you know, the recent first round picks. I personally take that to mean Zadina as well, or it would be very difficult to pry away Zadina. But that's the group you're looking at as untouchables. That leaves a lot of good players open. Of course, you're talking about the Berniers, the Glenn Dennings, the Helms, the Mark Stalls, the, the Bobby Ryans, the typical targets we've been talking about. But it reaffirms what we've what we've mentioned before on this podcast. Mantha's available for the right price. Bertuzzi is available for the right pl- price. A lot of other players will be available for the right price. So it really is just a matter of how active people are at the deadline. Yeah, and it's risky. And I've not been typically one of the guys trumpeting to trade Mantha or Bertuzzi um, more so because I I don't think they're going to get offers that are anywhere near value for them. Truthfully, Uh, if we get value for either of them, I'm perfectly content to trade them. And I do think it makes a lot of sense in the scope of the rebuild. Although if they trade Tyler Bertuzzi now too, I don't think we're ever going to get Mika back as a fan, which I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. The Uh, Athens CU trade was already a blow like that. Yeah. Yeah, and she latched on to Bertuzzi after Athens he left. So if uh, if he goes, <laughs> uh, uh, she like not only <laughs> we're, she likes really likes Joe Valeno for some reason. But um, hey, that's safe. That's safe for now. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> but because um, well, let, let's talk about it because we we have to talk about what the return would be to justify it. Because if we're talking about Tampa Bay's first round pick, and I'm just going to take Tampa Bay as a team because they're always a team that's involved in these type of trades, but we're going to talk about teams in Tampa Bay's tier if they're wanting Mantha or Bertuzzi. That's going to likely be the quality of team. So if we're looking at Tampa Bay's first rounder, uh, second rounder, and Alex Barre-Boulay, one of their better prospects for Mantha. That's on paper. That looks like top prospect, first round pick, second round pick. That, when you first hear it in your head, sounds like a great deal for Anthony Mantha. And I think if you told people blindly, Mantha for a first, second top prospect, you'd be like, oh, you'd be insane not to do that. Except for the fact that's probably going to be like pick 31, pick 62, and a guy who's going to play on your third line. Yeah. Are you likely to get a player of Anthony Mantha's caliber out of pick 31? No, nine out of 10 times. The answer is no. Are you going to get that a player of that caliber at pick 62? No, you've got about a 40% chance just to get an NHLer at that point. Forget an impact player. And is a third line guy really going to sway anything? No, you can find third line guys reasonably easy. So would I make that trade for Anthony Mantha right now? No, I would not. Even though it sounds like it's fair value when you actually break it down. It's not. Now, if we got that offer from, I got to pick a fringe team here off the top of my head. If we got that offer from hypothetically Chicago, I know they're 
not a team that's in that position, but they're a fringe playoff team. And if they're looking for a little more long-term success, Montreal actually would be a good example in this one. Would I take it? Yes, absolutely. Because now you're talking pick 15, pick 45, and a player of, we'll say, Ryan Paling's caliber or, you know, on the upper end of things, maybe a Kotkaniemi. That is, it doesn't sound like a different trade, but it is night and day different. That pick in the draft is the difference between Niederbach to Sabrango. That is the difference between Seth Jarvis to Ozzy Weisblatt in the last draft. That matters a yeah. lot. Yeah. So it's it's easy to just get lost in the numbers of it, but like you really have to break it down. And again, you're probably looking at a pretty similar price for Bertuzzi. Yeah. And here's the thing too, like this isn't uh it's not like traditional trade deadlines where you really only start talking about trading guys uh in their first and only year of being a viable trade target, if that makes sense, right? Like it's not like this is the only time Mantha could be dealt. It's not like this is the only time Bertuzzi could be dealt. If he doesn't get dealt, he'll get re-signed, of course. Um and it very much leads back to like what this leads back to is my point from previous iterations of this conversation we've had on the pod is I don't I'm not opposed to dealing Mantha. I'm actually I think there are a lot of favorable favorable situations that could come up with the right offer. That's the biggest caveat to all of this. It has to be the right price, which you mentioned, Brad. Um, but I would think that that's only going to come once he's playing better. You know, we're talking about Mantha playing not up to his full ability right now. He's still scoring at uh, almost a 23-goal pace. Not bad for you know, a normal NHL player, but for someone who should be a 40 goal scorer, you'd want to see him play better. If he goes on a tear and he starts putting up like 30 goal, 35 goal pace streaks, that's when I think those offers might start to roll in. And that's when I would probably say, okay, if you get one that's, you know, you look at that and you say, that's good value for Mantha. Sure. Mantha is that player who as Red Wings fans, we know his value is up here. But his perceived value across the league, because he's not playing so well right now, is probably lower than what his true value is. Bertuzzi might be the inverse, right? Like we know Bertuzzi's value. I don't know that Bertuzzi's a guy that can go to another team and be as effective as he is in the Red Wings. I love Bert. I think he's a great player. I actually want to see Bertuzzi in a Red Wings jersey for his whole career. But if so, hey, if someone wants to overpay for Bertuzzi, either this year or in future years, by all means, right? I, I'm less I'm less of a proponent to move Bertuzzi though, funny enough. I think Bertuzzi's easier to replace, if that makes sense, just because it's harder to find a guy like Mantha, but it, it's also harder to get everything out of Mantha, apparently. So with Bertuzzi, we know we're getting everything. You're getting one ten out of Bertuzzi. Yeah, he's every, heart and soul. Every game he plays, there's never an issue, but he has more limitations. He can't skate like Mantha can skate. He can't shoot like Mantha can shoot. He doesn't, his hands are close to Mantha, but they're not quite there. Sure, Bertuzzi's better at some of the little nuances of the game, and those matter, and those are worth something, but a lot of guys know those nuances so well. Man, a six foot four, a six foot five guy who can skate with hands, with shot, like, the Red Wings have to move hell and high water to figure out how to get every last drop out of Mantha, and they haven't done it yet, and they haven't been able to. They've they've done it in stretches, which is fine, but yeah, like he's a, he's a unicorn. Yeah. So one thing I want to touch on while we're on this topic is that, and we're guilty of this, but just being a selling team 
which is what the Red Wings are, but they're a selling team with a lot of high-end assets now. They haven't really had this in previous years, not to this degree. They have a lot of high-end assets on the table. We are so guilty of doing this to other teams, but wow, seeing other people, you know, theorize their trade offers for what Detroit or for Detroit's best pieces, even seeing the trade offers for Jonathan Bernier, I'm just like, you're not, I'm sorry, but there's no value for the Red Wings to ship out Jonathan Bernier for a seventh. Someone actually said that Jonathan Bernier for a seventh. I was like, you're even his goal. Like you look at the advanced stats and his goal saved above expected is decent, but not among the top in the league. But I'm like, I still don't really think that's representative of what Jonathan Bernier has done. Because if you color all that with the garbage that's been in front of him, with which has been the Red Wings for the past however long, I really think a team like Toronto could come and pick up Jonathan Bernier and it would solve a whole lot more problems than they care to admit. So it's funny because um, I'm sure you saw that tweet from Dimitri today where he he posted Red Wings goalie yep. stats from the beginning of the 1920 season of Jonathan Bernier with his 23 wins, 908 save percentage or whatever it was. And then every other goalie that's played for the Red Wings who have like three wins and like a uh, 120 save percentage, it feels like. Um, <laughs> like just how shocking it's been. Because one thing that doesn't get factored into goalie stats and it's relevant is exhaustion. Bernie is doing this, has been doing this with 35, 40 shots against regularly. Those shots in the third period probably aren't as easy to save as they are in the first period. Um, but it's all about value versus need. If anybody wants to know what Jonathan Bernier's value could be, go look at, go to Colorado Avalanche Twitter right now. I have a friend, Clayton, who's a big Avs fan. He, he literally tweets me updates like oh one goal against two goal against three goal against i could beat this guy in beer league four goals against they're they're riding philip grubauer's playing all right and hunter miska who would struggle in beer league with the way he's playing who exactly (laughs) exactly so like when dimitri posted that avs tweet there were avs fans begging for bernier in the comments below begging uh again my friend who's an avs fan i'm like what would you trade for bernier because He's like, I, I'll send you your, our first plus, and I wouldn't think twice about it. I'm like, holy shit, is it that bad? <laughs> if you're, yeah. Another I team I was thinking of that needs goaltending, who's, you know, has a very realistic shot of, at winning the cup is Philly. Carter Hart has been horrible this year. And do you have faith in Brian Elliott being your starting goalie or doing a 1A, 1B with that? Not with the way Carter Hart's playing. Like Philly's loaded uh, in their NHL team on their farm team. You know, if they go deep, they don't need their first round pick because they've got the safety net of all of their top end prospects. So that's an, like, there's a ton of top teams. Like we could think about Carolina as well. There's a lot of teams who could use Jonathan Bernier either as their starter or as like a Jake Allen type to support their starting goalie. Like Jonathan Bernier should be a hot commodity prior to the trade deadline. He Based on what's happening around the league, quality of player, et cetera, et cetera, he's probably the Red Wings' most valuable rental. Yeah. He he has to be. I will say, Evan, I don't think Carolina quite fits in there, at least not this year, because what they're getting from Mrazek, Nidjelkovic, and Reimer when he's healthy are like, they've been getting really good numbers from them. So I, I wouldn't see them as a likely candidate for that this year. But yeah, Brad, to your point, I think he he is, but it's just... 
the goalie market's so hard. But you know what? The NHL, what's what's the constant threat in the NHL? The team that finally breaks the mold and does something different is often rewarded for it, or at least they get good information from it. Shit, if you're Toronto, are you really going to do this dance again with a bad goalie? You know how this goes. You so, know how it goes. Question, though. Um, do you know, and I don't, I'm legitimately asking the status of Jack Campbell's injury for Toronto because he's been legitimately good when he's played. So if if he's projected to be back this season, Toronto doesn't make sense to me for Bernier. Um, Luke Glendening to Toronto makes a ton more sense to me. Um, I look at, I think Colorado's the best bet for a goalie upgrade. Um, I think I mentioned Minnesota as a stealth team for them because how much faith do you have in Kakinen? Uh, there's, there's a few others. Philly does make sense. Uh, they make it quite a bit of sense. Actually, Edmonton makes a lot of sense. Edmonton makes a lot of sense. And it's not like there's any connection between the Red Wings there. Yeah. So, I mean, the way Curtis McElhinney's played this year, are you even going to rule out Tampa Bay in there? They're one injury to Andre Vasilevsky from getting bounced in the first round, the way McElhinney's played this year. Yeah, and if you're trading trading for a Bernie type, you're not trading for a starter. You're trading for insurance. You're yeah, trading for if your starter craps out in the playoff, you have a guy who can come in and win you games. Yeah, because that's the caveat right now, and that's the one thing I don't think Red Wings fans realize. We know how good Jonathan Bernie has been as a starter, but look around to all the playoff teams in the league right now. How many of them are struggling with starters? Right now, Colorado Grubauer has been fine. It's that when they need to give him a rest in a condensed schedule, it's laughable how bad their backup goaltending is. You look at Vancouver, Demko's on fire. Mike Smith has actually had a bit of a run in Edmonton. That's probably the one team, though, where I think everybody knows Mike Smith's not going to hold up for the full year and they don't have a starter. So they might make the most sense. But yeah, it's... uh, it's getting to be silly season and Eisenman obviously is probably going to, I say, obviously, if I say, obviously it's going to not be the case, but he's going to hold out to as close to the deadline because he's one injury away from getting a no doubter first round pick for Bernier. He could also be no injuries away from getting a late second round pick at best. I think he holds a deadline on guys like Bernier where you don't necessarily need to deal them. I think Guys where he's more intent on moving, which I think maybe Glenn Denning fits in there because his value will never be higher than it is right now. Quite possibly Bobby Ryan, because you don't know what that conversation was. Like, if they don't move him, is he even going to resign? Quite like Helm, because if anyone wants to trade for Helm, you say yes right now because you're likely not bringing him back. You want to move those guys sooner because of, you know, you want to get them in with their new teams, depending on what the quarantine rules are for that region. But yeah, guys like Bernier, where you, if the Red Wings keep Bernier, I'll, I'll probably sleep better at night because he allows the team to play better. He allows them to have bad games and still be in it. He allows the defense, the space to to make mistakes, but still not get buried for it. That is someone where I, I'm sure he would only wait for the right offer. The Manthas and the Bertuzzi's like, there's no need to trade them this year. Um, it's wacky is the right word for it. It's it's really, really unpredictable. Trade deadline is April 12th, so we're less than a month away. So the coverage will be heating up. I, I honestly believe that we'll see a trade or two, a significant trade or two within the coming two weeks. Not with the Red Wings necessarily, but across the NHL. If, if you had to get weird, just for a fun conversation that really doesn't have any basis, if the Red Wings were to make a big trade, and by big trade, I'm talking Mantha, Bertuzzi, or a huge package of players for 
X, Y, or Z. What do you think the most likely big trade is for the Red Wings? Because I laughed when someone said Eichel, but I could whip together a pretty good package for Eichel that makes sense for both do teams. It. Do the Eichel trade. I want to hear it because I get asked a million times and I'm just going to defer to what you say because I don't. I actually don't know if I can come up with an Eichel package that I'm happy about as either Buffalo or Detroit. I have a package that would, I think, satisfy <laughs> everybody. <laughs> Is it satisfy? <laughs> everybody. Oh, that might be my Bonk. favorite one so far. Stop. Don't go further down that thread. Just say your damn trade. So what Buffalo wants to turn this around quickly. They don't have the the stomach to go through another full teardown rebuild. So if you're trading for Eichel, you need a good player right now in return. Anthony Mantha makes sense as the starting piece. It's He's not nearly enough for Eichel. So everybody who thinks that's, oh, Anthony Mantha. Yeah. No. The deal of course is one not. for one. No, that would never you happen. Imagine. No, that would never happen. Anthony Mantha and Jonathan Bergen. That would not be enough. That's not you don't think so with the season no. he's having? They get no. a first-line winger and they get a second-line winger in return. Oh. I think Detroit would have to throw in a sweetener, and I don't think it would be a nothing sweetener, uh, probably a B-level prospect or a second-round pick. I have an Ikea gift card that I found in my wallet today. It's got like... No, I'm not. It's not that it. conditional fourth round just because if anybody throws a fourth round pick into a trade, it's because you know you're not giving enough value. But let's say hypothetically that third piece was Wallander. Still not enough. I don't, don't, know, I don't so? know that I'd do that if I'm Buffalo. Eichel's got three goals this year. Mantha's outscoring him. I bet that's not his fault, you know? Is it Mantha's completely Mantha's fault though also? <laughs> you've got two guys who are at low value who at their peak there's probably what a 15 to 20 point difference between mantha and eichel 90 point player versus a 70 point player at both their peaks isn't eichel a centerman yes and that does get a premium obviously but you're giving up like 10 million dollars but the red wings give up their third best prospect because eisenman's probably not lying when he says cider and raymond are untouchable so we can't touch them so who's the next best prospect we could throw in? Now, that's up to, for debate. Some people will say Valeno. Some people will say other players. It's fine. That's fair. So I'll say Bergeron's the third best prospect. So you throw him in with Mantha. If he turns out to be what it's good, there's a third of Buffalo's top six for the next however long. And then you throw in a sweetener to kind of get the value up there. Obviously, it's risky. Detroit's not going to give up most cider in this deal. But if... The trade was Mo Sider plus for Eichel. I still do it for whatever that's worth. Um, it could happen. It makes sense from both teams. It's just a matter of value. The Sabres need everything. The Red Wings need a center. The Red Wings have an absolute shit ton of assets that they could give up for Eichel, but Buffalo is not going to want to do a five for one trade. They want three meaningful pieces. I think what it about- could work. Now, again, it's all value. I have a higher opinion of Jonathan Bergeron than most, probably more than Buffalo does realistically. They might value Valeno more, which is fair, but I'm just saying. What about Mantha in this year's first? <sighs> I would strongly consider it. I don't think that's enough. I don't think it's enough. I'd give her I, that. I know that that is because what are you, what could you get in this draft? You could you get, get a, a top- Jack Eichel. You could get a top pairing defenseman. 
So you give up a first line player and a first line D for. I'd rather have Jack Eichel. I'd consider it. I'm not saying hard no. I'm just saying this one gives me pause, which probably means it's the right value. <laughs> there's there's going to be people out there listening right now who are like, these guys are total jokes. Like, not. But, this is the, the old speculation of trades. Like, it's yeah. always ridiculous. But here comes into the. Here's the point that Ryan has brought up many times advocating for trading Mantha. Jack Eichel's only one year younger than Mantha. So, depending how quickly you think this thing is going to be turning around you do have to factor that in. I don't think there's a huge... I, I think a trade between Buffalo and Detroit could happen in like a change of scenery type trade. But realistically, I think Eichel makes sense for a team that's more sense for a team that's farther along than Detroit. But this is one of the few instances where I think actually Detroit could probably outbid a lot of these teams. I just... It feels so hard to think of a scenario where Buffalo fans are going to be happy with the return unless it's an insane overpay. Nobody... You are never, ever going to be happy with the return when you play uh, trade a player like Jack Eichel. Ottawa fans hated the Eric Carlson trade. Buffalo fans hated the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Uh, Ottawa the hated Carlson the Mark kind of worked out. <laughs> yeah. The, the Carlson trade ended up working out. The Mark Stone trade, Ottawa fans hated then, probably still hate now. Yeah. It's when you're the team trading a superstar, you are never going to like it at the point of trade because it is a roll of the dice. You are trading for futures. Look at Ottawa, for example. The futures that they got for the Mark Stone trade have not worked out to the level of a Mark Stone. The futures they got for an Eric Carlson trade have worked out. That is working very well for them. So you're never going to love this trade at the point. So if we trade our first in Mantha for Eichel... Sabres fans are going to hate it, but if they draft, you know, I'm going to pick a name, hypothetically, Owen Power, and Owen Power turns into their number one defenseman for the next 10 years, they're going to look back at that trade and love it because they get a number one defenseman who's seven years younger than Jack Eichel. Like, they're not going to complain about that, but they will hate it at the point of the trade. Well, you're doling out some wisdom right now, which makes me uncomfortable. So I'm going to move into something more familiar, which is the fact that this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is proudly sponsored by the FanDuel Sportsbook, who we are thrilled to have as partners as they give us fans what we really want, more excitement in watching the game of hockey. Uh, FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook for so many reasons. It's easy to use from registration to deposits and finding great bets. Withdrawals are quick and easy. You get your money back in as early as 24 hours, and they're constantly running odds boosts and special bets. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back if you don't win your first bet. No strings attached. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit. Uh, we wish we can bet on games like the next two upcoming games that Detroit has against Dallas. Dallas is a team where I think Detroit could really capitalize on that underdog, uh, on those underdog lines. But we're happy that you guys have that opportunity. So what you should do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to start with a risk-free bet of, of up to $1,000. And be sure when you sign up, you use promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code WWP. You have to be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, 
Delaware, Virginia. Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. All right. And breathe. So, I've always wanted to learn circular breathing. (laughs) Uh, Update on Keith Petrozelli. Top 10 in uh, Hobie Baker uh, nominations, nominations, votes, finalists. He's a top 10 Hobie Baker finalist. Uh, Another fantastic season with uh, Quinnipiac. Excellent, excellent job in the NCAA. And I think has cemented his spot. You know, Philip Larson has not been so hot over the past year or two. Uh, But Petrozelli has cemented his spot as the best uh, Red Wings goalie prospect in the pipeline. That said, he does have to sign his ELC in the coming months because he has done his four years pretty soon um, and he doesn't have uh, a contract with the Red Wings. So they do kind of have to get that wrapped up if they want to keep Petrozelli in the system. And, you know, not to instill fear, but there is the opportunity for Petrozelli to go out like elsewhere. He's not restricted to Detroit like a restricted free agent would be. Uh, two things as to why I'm not super concerned about that yet. One, we haven't heard any rumors about it, which is generally a good sign. This is one of those instances. No news is good news. And two, as a goalie prospect who's looking for an opportunity, there is literally no better opportunity in the NHL right now than the Detroit Red Wings. Both their goalies are on short contracts in their 30s, and they don't have an established starter in the AHL. Yep. This is the best opportunity in the NHL for Keith Petrozelli. So if he was in a, a better team with a better goalie pipeline and he's like, yeah, I know I'm not going to see the ice a la Spencer Knight in Florida, hypothetically. Yeah, why not write out the four years, sign as a free agent somewhere you're going to get a chance? Well, that chance for other goalie prospects would be Detroit. So <laughs> I, I, I think he's pretty likely to stick around. Um, I want to cover, there's more that we want to cover here. You know, I really want to dive into, it, and we still will, uh, Raymond and, uh, Cider and Berggren with this season he's having and, you know, Johansson and all these guys, um, spoiler, but, all very good. Yeah. I mean, Raymond, I mean, the good news for Raymond is that his injury is expected to heal well and it's not supposed to, you know, hinder him in the future, which is good to hear. There were pictures of him back in the gym, which is good sign in recovery. Um, one thing I do want to cover, um, not good news. If you're a fan of Buffalo, Evan said the word Buffalo and happy in the same sentence earlier, which I think hasn't happened in 30 years. This is the unless... first win in Buffalo, uh, in 13 games. Yeah. <laughs> Ralph Kruger has been let go as Buffalo's head coach. Um, well, I, I like Ralph Kruger. I think he's a, he's an entertaining personality. Very obviously that wasn't a fit in Buffalo. And I don't think he was the only problem, but was definitely one of them. Um, but finally they pulled the trigger on that because wow, if you look at any kinds of charts or projections or anything as to who the worst teams in the league were going to be, it was kind of like a dead heat between Detroit and Ottawa. And then this meteor just cratered through the standings and that's the Buffalo Sabres. They are tanking something heavy right now. They were very public about the fact that this was the year they wanted to make a playoff push. I mean, they traded for Eric Stahl and signed Taylor Hall. All indications were, yeah, no, we want to be better this year. They had a shitty draw with the pandemic and got uh, grouped into the pool of death in the East Division. But, man, it is staggering. They should not be this bad. There, I don't care how good that division is. You have Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel, Rasmus Ristolainen, Rasmus Dahlin, um, 
Sam Reinhart, like Dylan Cousins was playing well before he got injured. This should not happen. I know goaltending is still a massive issue for them, but it is just unfathomable how much their season went off the rails and just how, yeah, I think a meteor is was the perfect expression for what the hell happened to this team. And again, that's not all on Kruger, but my God, he scratched Skinner for what was it? Three games in a row. Um, someone, another podcast, I think it might've been 31's thoughts said something along the lines of one game. You're sending a message two games. You're letting the player know you're pissed three games. It's personal. Yeah. Uh, it was also funny that, uh, I think Jeff Skinner scored the final goal and, and Ralph Kruger's tenure as the <laughs> Buffalo coach. So it's sort of a poetic ending for, uh, for Ralph, but. I was watching highlights of the game last night and New Jersey iced the puck with the Buffalo goalie pulled and Ralph Cougar calls a timeout and the, the the devil's players are like going slow back. Like they're obviously gassed and it's just like such a head scratcher of why you'd call a timeout in that scenario. And that was kind of like my, indication of how bad things have gotten in buffalo and that might have been the last straw gms owners are watching that and they're like this guy does not know what he's doing with this team he's gotta go yeah more than i think a lot of other sports especially the north american sports being in a funk at any level whether you're a goalie or you know uh, the leagues the, the team's superstar or even the entire team like those kind of intangible things this whole episode has just been pandering to the first name bunch of numbers twitter but those <laughs> kinds of intangible things like those funks like affect a team they affect a city and sometimes you do need to shake up and sometimes think it's things get so bad you make obvious mistakes like what evan just mentioned like you're just all turned you're in the weeds i don't know what type of coaching style ralph Kruger has but they might need a hard ass to get in there and, and turn this thing around because if Ralph Kruger's singing philosophy and kumbaya, like it's clearly not working. Like, get Rod Brindamore in there. Get a get a Rod the Bod type in there. Get us. I get get some old school coach who will just skate these guys until they're blue in the face. Like they need something. Clearly, whatever Ralph Kruger was doing is not the type of coaching style that reacts to players like this. Do the opposite. Yeah, whatever you need to get guys to buy in. And the funny thing is, before, we'll move on to overtime in a minute here. The funny thing is, the same group of players could need something different from this year to three years from now, right? Like, you look at players like Jack Eichel, you're like, well, Jack Eichel's so talented, and Rasmus Delene will be so talented, and Jeff Skinner is such a natural goal scorer. You don't necessarily need a hard ass that's just going to bag skate these guys every other game. But if things have progressed to the point and the culture has pushed them to the point, like they actually might need that for a year or two, like a torts type to pull them out of it. Like good cop, bad cop, basically. It, hey, well, it really is. Torts might be available soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. All right. 
Um, plenty more to come on that, I'm sure. But we're right now going to jump into overtime, which is brought to you by our incredible Patreon supporters. Fun fact, um, the average winged wheel podcast patron is at very, the very minimum a nine out of 10 on the beauty scale and much, much cooler than Evan, myself or Brad. So, uh, that's just a couple of things you can look forward to if you become a Patreon supporter. We're going to start with Sebastian Vettel's hairline says, howdy guys, a few questions for all three hosts with the impending start of the F1 season this month. What are some bold predictions slash hot takes since brad and evan aren't going to answer i've taken the liberty of providing a few for you brad says mazepin will extremely overperform and become a fan favorite terrible take brad is that a person's name or a counter over-the-counter drug yeah that's Uh, definitely a dick pill and you can't convince me otherwise (laughs) (laughs) people really hate the guy for good reason so that's actually a great answer evan (laughs) says uh mercedes wasn't sandbagging in preseason and i'll have some catching up to do and we'll have some catching up to do in the first few races uh, and moving on, since Ryan is fixated on the proper cheese curds for poutine, do your cheese curds have to squeak for you to classify them as quality? Yeah, your your cheese curds should be squeaky. I just shred cheese, cheddar cheese over my fries Stop. and gravy. Stop. <laughs> We're friends. I care about you. Um, one day I'm just going to try putting a block of cheese on and just warming up the microwave. <laughs> You oh, guys that'd better be so hope you gross, never get but the vaccine because I, I will punch you in the face when I see you. Uh, Cody Stark says, has Heronic ever scored not from the other end of the ice? <laughs> not this season. And maybe no. never again. But hey, I'll take it. Uh, Jonathan R. Reinbold says, it's hard to assess because one of the guys played with one of the best players in the league. But who do you take? Prime Abdicator or Prime Ernie? Oh, that's a great question, actually. <sighs> Abdulkader. Prime, you can say whatever the hell you want about him. Prime Abdulkader did have a near 30 goal season. That is true. Even with that from Adam Ernie. Even with Datsuk and Zetterberg, that's not easy. Yeah, I hesitate identifying it as prime, maybe more than aberration, but yeah, if that's going to count in there, it's got to be Abby. Um, your favorite high patron says, I ate an edible and then half an hour later, Ernie scored. I thought I was on a different universe. Then he scored a second goal and I thought this, <laughs> this Eddie is kicking my ass. <laughs> and I keep getting toasted during games. I, I have made, reached a new plane of consciousness. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. If I was high and watching that game, I would have been confused as hell. <laughs> uh, Matthew M. Rice says, does the Anders Lee season ending injury provide some leverage to the Red Wings for the likes of Mantha or Bertuzzi going the other way? Lou Lamorello might be willing to overpay if they're in win now mode. In theory, it makes sense, but you have to remember the Islanders cap situation. And even though Mantha has a good contract, this is a trade that doesn't work unless Detroit takes money back. Anders Lee's back next season. uh, And yeah, I do think there is sound logic in the Islanders needing to add some offense here. But given the situation they're in, Bobby Ryan makes a ton more sense than Anthony Manther, Tyler Bertuzzi for them right now. Uh, Scott Martin says with us being halfway through the year, how are you feeling about the team now versus last season? Feels like we've taken a step forward. I'm personally excited to watch the games again and something because something wacky might happen, like say Ernie dominating on the power play. Yeah. After a rough start, I definitely have that vibe right now where I'm like, okay, this team is doing about as good or almost as good as I hope that they would. And you are getting those exciting games sprinkled in. The last 
three weeks or so. Yeah, I, I'm on the train of they're still bad, but this is what a basement team should look like. Again, we talk about the parity of the NHL and it's it's overblown the difference between a team like Tampa and Detroit, right? So they're competitive. They're actually winning games against good teams. And then, yeah, you have the game like two games ago against Carolina where they just lay an absolute egg. And that's going to happen. That happens to every team. It's going to happen to the bad teams more. And that's fine. But the important part is they haven't been winning those games that they did in like that random Nashville game where Luke Lindenning had three points and Adam Ernie had a goal. And they've been winning these games on the backs of Dylan Larkin and Philip Zadina and Troy Stetcher and even Anthony Mantha's had his moments here. They've been winning the games because of players that have a future with this team. And that's the most important thing we've needed to see. Even Ryan brought up Fabry earlier. Someone asked me on Twitter today, why aren't we seeing trade rumors around Fabry if the rest of the team has trade rumors? Because Fabry's good and he's young and he's cheap. This is the type of guy you want to keep and he's playing well. So... Yeah, this is what we've needed to see, and it's very encouraging that it's actually finally happening. Uh, Michael Lang says, hey, guys, a dream of mine has always been to visit every arena in the NHL. What's the furthest the three of you have traveled to see a sporting event? Just for the sporting event, or we we did it while we were there for something else? Yeah, mix the two up. Uh, Furthest I've gone for, like, the game being the primary focus is the Bell Center in Montreal. The furthest I've actually gone for a game was Madison Square Garden. I went to New York as well for me, but I would love to have said the answer was Liverpool to go to England for a Liverpool game. Honestly, would have loved to have done that this year, but you know. Yeah. I watched a junior B game in Revelstoke. <laughs> what what junior b what teams would that even be uh the revelstoke grizzlies the revelstoke billionaires it's funny at the one corner of the arena all the australians just get super loaded and just do chants and chirp the other team the entire game it's amazing Love that. <laughs> i'm not sure uh, that the, counts as an answer but that was mine the secondary question here and i think this is more for me and evan how many days do you think the three of us could be in the same car before one of us gets tossed out so evan negative, how long before we toss negative a hundred <laughs> do we even make it to detroit i mm, actually yeah no we would because we've done it because you assholes fell asleep on me 30 minutes <laughs> into the goddamn drive i i fall asleep going to the grocery store if Catherine's yeah. driving so it's not my it's not your fault it's not anyone's fault it's just mine Hey, man, the 401 to Windsor, you can fall asleep and still end up where you need to be. It's just yeah, a straight line. Even if you're driving. Uh, North Moto says, where in the hell is Bert? Did we secretly trade him? All we know, upper body injury taking longer than expected. They're being coy about it. That's it. Uh, man thing has been looking motivated, skating, hitting and scoring. Love the podcast. Keep it up. Hey, Brad, do you have any thoughts on Amazon potentially taking over F1 streaming rights? We can only hope MotoGP follows. I'm assuming that was for Ryan. No, he said Brad. I assume he <laughs> thinks I'm you. Uh, I would be in favor. The Caminator says, what is the next most likely team to pull a Calgary and hire a previously fired coach? And how does it work out? Buffalo. Is it Buffalo? <laughs> Bring oh, back they, Ted Nolan. They have their interim right now. Who else is? Who else needs a new head coach? I, I would say Columbus, but I don't remember who any of their old head coaches were other than Doug McLean. So it's whoever hires Gallant. Maybe that's Nashville. I don't know. 
He's never been there before. Oh, it's like has to be previously fired from that team. I don't yeah. know. When is that? Ever oh, happen? man. Mike Babcock coming back in to coach the Red Wings will be so weird. Uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> I, I, um, I would like boycott watching Red Wings game if that happened. Michael Barry says, hey, just letting everyone know that vaccines are public in Michigan on April 5th. Yes, excellent news. Uh, if there's no wait for quarantine for trades, how does that affect the Red Wings players who are vaccinated? Also, does Burt value go trade value go up if Taylor Hall is injured? Um, how does it affect things? I don't know. This is all a big moving sliding puzzle, and we don't really know a lot of the information that we need to. But you can imagine if a player's quarantine time was reduced, they'd be a more attractive asset to acquire. Um, and does Taylor Hall being injured increase Burt's value? I don't know. Burt hasn't played in like a year or so. Yeah. And Buffalo is not going to be a buyer at this deadline. So I don't think that's going to matter to them. Aaron Hudson says, what do you think the chances are we get to see Raymond Sider and Valeno or any other prospects in Detroit next season? Love the pod. Oh, you'll see Sider. I think you'll probably see at least a few games of Valeno. I, I would bet on an 82 game Sider season. Yeah. Uh, barring injury. Um, Valeno, I think it's a cup of tea at the end. Raymond, I'm not sure because I could see them bringing him to Grand Rapids, but I could also see them leaving him in the SHL for the season, depending where they want him to develop. Uh, history tells us it'll probably be Grand Rapids, in which case, yeah, we might get a nine game look, but I'm more confident in the other two seeing time. Um, I love my co-host says, well, I've gotten a bad habit of clubs from Evan and hockey carts from Brad. So Ryan, give me something. Yeah, mine's gonna be black tar heroin. So best of luck. <laughs> uh, no, what? It, what's my bad habit? Uh, Poutine and sports. craft beer. He said bad habit. I drink bad beer just as much as I drink good beer nowadays. Uh, pick up F one or be a Liverpool supporter. One of the two. Oftentimes a good habit, but sometimes bad. Um, RC Tendy says, I've noticed things on the power play. They love to run it through Larkin on the left side. And when things get dicey, they ring the puck around to Zadina, where he always has to try to catch a bouncing puck. The D are forcing him to move it quickly. It causes a tough situation and was wondering if you think they should continue keeping him on that side, but run the power play through him instead of Larkin. That way, if they put the puck around, someone's picking it up on their forehand or flip Zadina to the left where he might be stronger than Larkin and gives him more room to catch and release wristers. No, that's the right spot for Zadina. The issue here isn't coming from Zadina having to pick that play up on his backhand. The issue is Detroit having to run that play too much because I hate that play. If you're running a, a, and again, I was complimenting the Red Wings power play earlier, but make no mistake, it's still flawed. And the, the rim around the board should be a last case, like option. There should be options for Larkin to move that puck on that half wall, whether that's Rasmussen stepping down, rather that's Ernie opening up space in the slot, whether that's Heronic pinching over to the boards. Because I hate how off I hate how that's not a last resort play for the Red Wings, truthfully. And um, in his defense, Zadina is actually pretty good at that. He had a really slick play where that exact play happened last game. And instead of just firing it back around or leaving it to the point, he actually found a seam through the defense to Heronic on the far, on the middle of the point, which he did it in like bang, bang succession. So it's a shitty play, but he's at least handling it. Well, 
Uh, Ghost of Podcast Pass says uh, all three options paid for in all number one and all access beach resort uh, in your favorite vacation spot for one week with your significant other. Number two, hiking excursion in Alaska with a guide for a week with three other people of your choice or three, you choose seven Red Wings from the current roster to do a three on three game with for an hour, then beers in the dressing room for half an hour. Which do you choose? What was the first one again? Beach vacation. So I'm going to get a little too literal on this answer to kind of cop this out. I can save up money for the beach trip vacation or the Alaska thing. I'm never going to get a chance to play three on three with the Red Wings in my actual life. So that is what I'm going to pick. I'm going to Alaska. Sorry, Detroit. I'm going to Alaska. (laughs) Look. You're right, Brad. It'd be a once in a lifetime opportunity, but oh my God, I need a vacation so badly. I don't know if I could forgive myself for not taking Alaska or the beach here. I mean, the one nice thing about the pandemic is I've had nothing to spend money on. So lucky if, you. I, didn't ha- if I didn't have kids, that vacation would be an option right now, but I can't even go on it because I have the kids. And uh, let's be honest, uh, a vacation with a one-year-old is not a vacation. So yeah, it's the three-on-three game because I could legitimately make that work in my life. <laughs> I've been sneaking Hank uh, different mixed drinks so he'd have a tolerance. So you can take him wherever and he'd be fine with the open bar. He wouldn't no, be- the last thing I need is him with a tolerance. I need to be able to knock that kid out quickly when I need to. <laughs> I hate to say it, buddy, but he's making it through half a 2-4 and I'm wobbling before he is. And he's a toddler, so. Yeah, I know. And you're not helping. <laughs> Brett S. says, with prospect prep around the corner, how often do you just go and watch a guy's highlights and find yourself really liking someone else? Remember watching highlights of Chalosky when he was drafted and kept hearing Jordan Kawaguchi's name? Kind of liked him since. He seemed like he'd be in the Hiroxi mold at best. Curious if you find any prospect crushes that way. Not a ton, not as much as you would think it would happen. Um, Mine is more of an exposure bias. If there's certain teams that I'm just watching a ton, I always end up just, and it's usually the OHL because I watch the Kitchener Rangers a ton. So I end up, it's why I was kind of on that Luke Evangelista train last year, even though I hate the London Knights. I just saw the London Knights so goddamn much that, you know, he kind of crept in there, but yeah, it's it's pretty uncommon, truthfully. Uh, unrelated, I would like to peti- petition for Brad's bingo spot to when he says, obviously, during an interview, the success rate must be higher than Glenn Denning's face-off percentage. Uh, Arjun Shanker. Arjun Shanker makes a great point here. Shanahan wore a bunch of the jerseys that the reverse retros were based on. Hartford Whalers, Lady Liberty jersey, the um, – who else has he played for that? The New Jersey red and green. Uh, the, I think they're the St. Louis throwbacks as well. He's done yep. quite a bit. Yep. Uh, La Plata Peak says Buffalo's dismal season has caused another coach to get the pink slip. I would love to see the list of coaches that have lost their jobs since Blashill's been hired. It's long. Um, it's almost the entire league. Even Literally. If he, yeah, because he's the fourth most tenured, third most tenured. I think third. Uh, even if Blashill isn't retained, I believe the uh, the last Red Wings coach to not voluntarily be replaced prior to the expiration of his contract is the late Jacques Demare, the man who also gave Steve Eisman his captaincy. Oh, interesting tidbit there. Kyle Williamson says, two years from now, there's a sudden death overtime. Here are the two lineups. Larkin, Mantha, Sider versus Raymond, Zadina, Hronik. Who are you taking? Okay, so Sider, Larkin, Mantha. Mantha. Raymond, Sedina, Zedina. Raymond, and Hironic. Yeah. And this is three years from now? Two. Two. I'm taking the Larkin Cider Mantha just for the yeah. speed. 
Yeah, I'm taking them just because they're going to be a little more polished. If this were even three or four years down the road, uh, that level of dynamic ability between Zadine and Raymond will be hard to pass on. Dylan Steubenrock says, of the Canadian teams, what's your favorite and least favorite to win the Cup this year? Strictly based on likability, not on realistic chance of winning. Oh, uh, Winnipeg to win, Toronto to win. Those are the Winnipeg for likability, Toronto for the opposite. Uh, yeah, I want Winnipeg for likability. Ottawa, even though it'll never happen just because they're having a lot of fun with the sickos. Uh, Toronto to never win because I think that's hysterical. Sorry, Steve. Yeah, Toronto's got to be last, right? Oh, 100%. Montreal gives them a run. They give them a run. I'd say Toronto 1A, Montreal 1B in terms of least likable. Yeah, I'll say Edmonton. Oh, I really? Want, I want McDavid to get his cup. They're probably my like second team to in likability factor. How do you not want McDavid to win? No, that's what I mean. Like, oh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Brent Rasmick says, I've always wondered how aware players are of their own stats. I understand if they know they're closing in on a milestone, but if you were to ask McDavid, Crosby, Larkin, or any other player, how many career goals, assists, points, would they have a good estimate or is a shot in the dark if they were to say a number? Oh, they know. Well, I know Duncan Keith is well aware of his Corsi. <laughs> Play players know they uh, they'll never admit it, but they know. It'd be hard to keep track once you get up there, though. Yeah, no, I've seen play. I've seen times where like a guy scores his fiftieth goal, and he's not necessarily a big goal scorer, and they're, they're like, "That was your fiftieth," and he's like, "Oh." But I don't know. I, look, for, I I think Patty Kane knows his numbers inside out. You know, like. And I if think that's I, fine. If I know that Philip Zadina has 30 career points in 60 games, I know he knows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, third man in says, happy St. Patty's. What's your read on Chicago? Assuming Taves comes back, are they successfully retooling for a second window with their core? Or is this season a mirage created by a great season from Kane and some voodoo from Lankanen? A little bit of both. Um, I don't see who their superstar is going to be for the second wave uh, as Taze and Kane age out. And I don't think they're close enough to contention again where Taze and Kane will be young enough to be the guys to drive it. So they're they're kind of at that in-between. They need a Kirby Doc or an Alex to brink it or whoever to take another big step forward to be, to fill the roles that Taze and Kane will uh, leave. But yeah, they're they're a tweener. Callan S says, would Hironic be worth more in a trade than keeping him? Would this be a good time to sell high? God, no, you'd be selling low. Yeah, no, you're not getting a, a huge return for You're getting a really good return for Hironic right now, but I don't think it would live up. Worth it. Uh, Michael Thompson says, how are the wings, uh, how the wings are able to roller coaster every other game between holy shit, I think I'd rather die than finish watching this game to some absolutely thrilling hockey never ceases to amaze me. Remember, that second part didn't exist last year. Yeah. I'd rather have absolute chaos than lose low event and lose or then uh and lose than low event and lose, which is exactly the mentality we should have. They've also- beat Carolina and Tampa, two of the top teams in the league, both in the last <laughs> week. Okay, we I I told you it was gonna happen. I so- complain about the Red Wings more than any other f- person on the face of the earth, but yeah, nobody should really be complaining right now. <laughs> uh also thanks to this fucking podcast i've been obsessed with prepping for the new f1 season you're welcome uh hey if, if anyone wants to ever get in the new season of drive to survive comes out on friday the 19th that's a free ad it's a phenomenal show and you'll love the sport i won't uh, be watching 
while Mercedes does look to be sandbagging per usual in testing, I'm slightly hopeful that just maybe there might be some stiffer competition. Any dark horse you have your eyes on, white tape forever and Ernie for heart. Um, I'm really excited to see Danny Rick in the McLaren, and I actually can see Alfa Romeo pushing up into the midfield this season maybe aj voss says i live and go to school in north carolina i wore my detroit jersey and mask to campus today canes fans are not happy about losing their division lead especially considering who they lost it to can't wait till we're competitive again it's fun when the team goes for absolute chaos uh garrett tv says i take a few weeks off and suddenly the patreon comments are piling up who listens to this crap anyways all right would you rather buy out nielsen but extend helm for two years at three million a year for expansion requirements or don't offer helm a contract but be forced to keep nielsen for exposure requirements a thousand percent the second one it's just our reality now continue yeah yeah exactly uh you're freeing up a bit of flexibility and you can always buy out nielsen in the future um lars the prophet of the towering behemoth says if the sabers get ricard gronberg now uh, i'll be properly angry William Eklund is now 11 and uh, 11 plus nine in 37 games. He might not be the one C or the one D that we covet, but goddamn, he has all the qualities we should be prepared to pick him for. That kid is amazing. Every time I watch him, he looks more intriguing. William Eklund is incredibly fun to watch and intriguing is the exact right word. Uh, CT Sanko says, just want to pop in for a quick hello from Taiwan. First time commenter, recent Patreon joiner, longtime listener. Love the show and God, it feels good to win some games. Okay, I've always seen Taiwan on our, like, uh, where people are listening from, and I always wondered who it was. So, first of all, thank you for your support. Secondly, welcome to the Dub Dub family. And thirdly, thank you for your support. That's cool. Stay Fresh Cheese Bags of Fournier Company says, Dear listeners, it's silly season. It's come a little early relative to the trade deadline, but it's on. Um, shout out, uh, talking about made up. I don't know what SO stands for here. Talking about made-up trade scenarios is not a trade rumor. Of course, Toronto would like to add Bertuzzi, Merrill, and Ryan at the cost of three Magic Beans and Cody Cece's old dietitian. As of plucking rebuilding team's top talents were a carefree stroll through the grocery store, but it ain't going to happen. Just because another Wings podcast that you've locked in says locked in on says that LA and Pittsburgh are looking into Mantha, it doesn't mean that Mantha is going to be traded. The trade has to make sense. Yes, LA is contending for a playoff spot right now. Is their rebuild done? Are they actually ready to add a major piece? No. Yes, Pittsburgh is poised to make the playoffs again. Do they actually have any prospects of value? Do they even have their own first this year? No. Be skeptical. Track down where the rumor came from. Joseph, bless you. Ryan, after the whole Wings and Pizza saga, I'm surprised that my nickname for Troy Stetcher was straight up read aloud on air Sunday. Cheers. Uh, you know, man, it's easy to get stuff past me. I'm real dumb. I'm a himbo at best. Aussie for Hall of Fame, say fresh cheese bags. Last comment here is from Mohit Cider. It says, I saw a TikTok of a guy that said the city of Detroit is currently the la- laughing stock of sports right now, but Minnesota is the laughing stock of sports all time. Agree or disagree? Explain your answers. All time, eh? Seattle gives them a run. Um, I'm not going to lie. All time Buffalo's taken a lot of hurt. Buffalo. No, Buffalo's the right answer. Now, what makes Minnesota worse is they have four major teams, whereas Buffalo's only got the Sabres and Bills. So that does have to factor in. But if you're talking about how long the teams have been around, how the actual heartbreaks played out. Yeah, it's Buffalo. (laughs) Yeah. 
All right, we're going to wrap up this week's episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Brad has to go feed 17 kids. I think that's how many he's up to now. Uh, so we'd like to thank all of our listeners, um, our sponsors, the FanDuel Sportsbook. Sign up with promo code WWP. We'd like to thank Evan for using his unmute button today, as well as all of our name-level sponsors on Patreon. These are the true heart and soul of the show. Arjun Shanker, Yves Bartel on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of Evan's Furk Wagon, Taylor Tagel, Brandon M, Citizen High Five, Craig Kibble, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam Al Qasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Kaylin Wood, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Luke Johnson, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Tyrone Biggums, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Antonio Gracias, Connor Leighton, Evans Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Joseph Minima, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Stan Olson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags of Fournier Company, Trevor Pevavar, your favorite, uh, I'm trying to see the name here, your favorite high patron, and that's all. Thank you all so much. We'll talk to you Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.